Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's kind of weird knowing that I'm going on a date with someone's husband. What if I want multiple husbands? <laughs> Did we not discuss in detail the fact that we'd be intimate on the trip? Right, but it's kind of... I guess what is surprising... I ended up feeling ridiculous. We decided together to live this way, and we can't just say we're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Seeking Sister Wife Edition. Um, before we get into just quick news update with the Snowdens, even though they weren't featured on this week's episode, even though it kind of looks like we get a very ironic, uh, their storyline for next episode feels a little bit ironic because um from what it looks like, it looks like Dimitri and Ashley will be discussing whether or not they're actually going to go forward with not only marrying Crystalline, but legally marrying her because, uh, you know, Ashley and Dimitri never got a legal marriage in order to make it fair for the other wives, right? So we found out a couple days ago, a few days ago, last week, that Dimitri actually filed for divorce and his petition was filed last Tuesday. Um, the interesting thing that I found from the filing is that he claimed that Dimitri, quote, abandoned their marriage and that he doesn't know where her whereabouts are. So it looks like they got married in July 9th of 2020 and their date of separation is listed at January 21st of 2021 of this year. Um, yikes. <laughs> Yikes. I don't quite know what to say about this. I mean, I'm happy for Crystalline to be free. I am curious. It feels like kind of or totally narcissistic to blame it on like him not knowing where her whereabouts are when we all heard that interview of Ariadna saying that the reason why he does not know her whereabouts are intentional because she's in hiding because she's afraid of him. Like, why couldn't he just, I wonder if there's a legal reason of why he couldn't just file, uh, under like irreparable differences. That's not the term, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, and I do find it interesting that he does list their 
uh, date of separation as the date where Crystalline claimed that she had been abused. So, you know, um, congratulations to you, Crystalline. I wish that you had could have been the one to file and really, like, get in his ass, but... I would imagine maybe that if you file under that, that there has to be some sort of proof and that's where she's going to get him. So I'm excited for her to present all of the receipts to the court. Um, also, how do you, I thought that people had to be presented with a, a divorce decree. I guess I'm wrong about that, or maybe it varies from state to state, but I I just assumed that she would have had to be present to get that divorce, much like um, like an eviction, you know? Like if somebody goes to give you any sort of legal uh, suing, where, where are my words? <laughs> if somebody files any sort of lawsuit against you, and technically a divorce is a lawsuit, um, that you had to be presented that, like somebody had to deliver that to you, but I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong, but we'll save that conversation for next week when they're actually on the show. And I'm sure there will be some sort of unfortunate development, um, leading up between this week and next week. So keep you guys updated. Let's move on to the actual episode. So let's start with the minions. I appreciated this week that they, I don't know, this episode felt more easily digestible because I felt like they did less mixing of the couples. It was more like big chunks of the couples rather than just going in and out of each one. And I I appreciated that. I really did. It was more, almost more 90 day style where they do all the couples and then they introduce like their second B storyline later in the episode and the second half, but I enjoyed it much easier to uh, write notes for that's for sure. Um, so yeah, we're going to start with the minions and their very first date. I noticed that King minion made Vanessa drive. I, I mean, there was no explicit conversation that we saw on camera, which he asked her to drive, but it just felt like, well, frankly, they kept switching between which car they were driving because usually they'll do like a cameraman in the back of one car filming the other car of the actual, you know, cast members, right? But they went from one scene we see a street shot of them in what looks like a Dodge uh minivan and then another street shot they were in like an suv type car like a truck almost car so we're gonna have to work on that especially with the minions because there was a episode two episodes ago the one where they um broke up with kayla um in which vanessa was coming in from work and she was wearing heels in one scene and wearing flats like slides in another so let's clean it up you guys all eyes are on y'all And, you know, why don't they have people who, don't they have, like, continuity people on stage or, you know, like, in the background or, what am I saying? Like, you know, they have people who keep up with the continuity on movie sets. So why are we not doing that for them? You know? Let's get some budget here. I'll, I'll happily do it. I will happily do it. Um, so anyway, Vanessa drives herself and King Minion to their date with Emily. I'm going to call her Glossier because something about her, she just has like a a boy brow, you know, the boy brow is really strong with her. Um, King Minion says they're still broken up. 
<laughs> over, you know, what I would call, and I think the rest of the world would call getting ghosted by Kayla. But if you guys want to call it a breakup, you know, fine, fine. Okay. If you guys want to act like this was a mutual decision. Okay. We all saw it, but okay. Okay. Um, they said, oh, what I found interesting is that King Minion says that he was actually that, well, that they were interested in having Kayla back in their life. Mm. So you're still trying to get that old thing back. Mm. Okay. Which more proves my point about this not being a mutual decision. Um, and uh, that they're not listening, that they were not listening to Kayla. Yeah. That too. Um, then he says, King Minion gives us his plans for his dominion, I guess. And he says that his vision for his kingdom is to have up to four wives. So he's very excited for this date with Glossier. Um, they meet up at a beer garden. And you know it's a real beer garden because they spelled it B-I-E-R-G-A-R-T-E-N. You know? Makes it more legit. <laughs> And it is, you know, like you're right, right in the middle of Germany and not in the middle of suburban North Carolina. Right. So they meet up at this beer, beer, beer garden. And, and before Emily even shows up, they, it looked like they ordered one of those boots, you know, the boots that you get at a, a beer garden. That's like. I don't know, maybe like 72 ounces of beer. They had gone um, past the calf, past, damn near towards the ankle, but before Emily even got there. So they're feeling great. Feeling great, I'm sure. And um, Zaglossier Thompson. Did y'all see that? <laughs> that was not a Naomi Campbell walk, okay? <laughs> Do you guys know that video? There's a guy who does these videos where he just gets up from his desk and walks to the to the door and he looks like he walks like it's very um an ass ass forward and it looks like his lower back hurts so his back is a little bit arch and he's like kind of doing this waddle thing and it, you know the memes are, are always something like oh you know you're um your high school counselor going to get your files or Brenda over at accounting, getting up to get her third cup of coffee for the day. You know, something like that. Just when you see the walk, you know the vibe and the personality of that person. Glossier was giving us the the walking forward version of that. Just like stomping around. <laughs> I don't know what she, if she was in like a kitten heel or something that was equally uncomfortable. I'm not sure. But anyway, that's what she looked like. Also, it came to my attention that as soon as Emily sat down, the first thing I wrote was, Emily has horny bisexual vibes. Let's just put that out on the table, okay? And I called that shit, didn't I? I called that shit before she even said it. And I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself. I, you know, I'm... In doing a podcast, you find out more about yourself and your abilities. Something about me watching Seeking Sister Wife really makes me, you know, my third eye is open to horny vibes and bisexual vibes. And I got that from her immediately. Okay. So I just thank you. Thank you for that. And you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so King Minion says, 
to Glossier, I brought you here to see what we're about, but I also to ask you some questions. He's got his hands up on the table and his arms are just like two just uh, bricks. <laughs> it's like his arms are taking up like 75% of that table space. The so poor, poor Vanessa. I, count, I'm sure there have been countless times where she's just not even had the room to eat. God, can you imagine having to be in a booth with that block of a man? No, thank you. Um, you gotta go to the bathroom and he's all gotta wedge himself out of the seat. No, no, you gotta sit on the outside, outside at all times. And you know, he doesn't do that because he like, he probably manspreads. His arms are probably just as manspready as his legs are down below. Legs can't even reach the, the ground. Can't even reach the floor. They're sitting in bar length chairs, but you know, he's spreading. He's probably got one leg <laughs> on his chair and another leg on Vanessa's. That's how much he band spreads. Anyway, um, Emily asks a very interesting question and says, I just want to know how it works with three people as opposed to two. And I want to know what my role would be. Don't you find that an interesting way to phrase a potential marriage or at least a very serious romantic relationship. I want to know what my role would be. Mm, okay. Um, so Vanessa says, that's a good question. I personally think it's a horrifying one. And King Minion says there are no hard expectations, but you know, maybe we should ask, maybe we should get Kayla on the line and ask her how she feels about you saying that there were no hard expectations in their relationship. She probably won't answer your phone, but I think that's answer enough, isn't it? Um, he says that expecting somebody to be a certain person or to act a certain way is unnatural and it's destined to crash and burn. Well, I'm glad you learned something out of that disaster of a relationship with Kayla. I, I'm really glad. So Vanessa and King Minion both say in their confessional that their only real requirement is that the person remains loyal to their family and then Vanessa says, we can just figure out all the details from there. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Again, how did that work for you last time? Okay, thank you. So Glossier asks Vanessa a question of when you first heard about polygamy, what attracted you to that? What drew you to the idea? And Vanessa says um, she was looking for somebody who will, in her words, and better... E-M-B-E-T-T-E-R, that she's looking for somebody who will embedder her and somebody who she can embedder. And no, in case you're second-guessing yourself, just trust your instincts and know that embedder is not a word. Well, I mean, like, technically it's a word, but it's not a word that's been used since the 17th century. Okay? Okay. Thank you. Um, so Vanessa asked Glossier what her interest is in terms of polygamy and Glossier says basically this is going to be a learning experience for me <laughs> I'm just trying to see if this is anything that I'm even interested in okay and then she says I'm 22 years old and I wish I could just spray some fairy dust on me and that would turn me into this beautiful gorgeous flower that knows everything and does everything perfect and it's like okay okay so King Minion puts his teacher hat on and says, well, you know, 
there is some fairy dust out there. It's called life. If you live it long enough, you'll get sprinkled with plenty of it. And you'll come to know who you really are. That's probably the nicest thing that he's ever said. But also, it's a creepy thing to say to a person that you're trying to or potentially um, looking to enter into a romantic relationship with. Like, how old is he? Like, he's got to be at least in his 40s. And that girl, she's 22. She is 22. Oh, Lord, please find your fairy dust somewhere else. It is not sitting across from this weirdo couple. Okay. What is Van? Never mind. Um, so in a confessional, Vanessa says that Emily is in her early twenties. So she's wondering if a life with kids and a family is really what she wants right now. Yeah. Great question, Vanessa. Thank you for joining the rest of the class. So then Vanessa asks Glossier, why do you trust us? And Glossier says, well, it's mostly just because you guys have been so sweet to me and most of the people I've encountered have not been that way to me. And then she starts to get a little bit emotional. And she says that her last relationship was, it really did a number on her. And she mentions that her ex's name is Mars. And so King Minion says, Mars? And Emily says, yeah, well, that's my ex-girlfriend. And so King Minion's like, oh, oh, oh. And then he starts asking all these stupid, ignorant questions about how much of that lifestyle has been part of her life. And, you know, has she always dated women or what's the deal with that? And Emily says, well, Mars is my first official girlfriend, but I had hooked up with women before. King Minion cannot wrap his frozen Brussels sprout brain around this. And he starts stuttering and is like, oh, oh, um, so like, do you like men now? So would that be like you're bisexual? And <laughs> Glossier is like, yeah, I am bisexual. <laughs> and King Minion had to stop himself from smiling, you little nasty creep. In a confessional, he says to Vanessa, look, I had no idea. I'm just as in shock as you are. And then he's like, I'm just kind of sitting here like, and then, you know, like hand to the head, like brain exploding motion. So then he says, you know, we've re never really courted or talked to a bisexual woman because um, our lifestyle doesn't include the women sleeping with each other. Now, again, another ignorant statement, because I don't recall a moment in which Glossier said that she was attracted to Vanessa or was looking to be in a relationship with Vanessa. You just think that she's trying to smash everybody because she likes men and women. That's not how it works, my guy. Um, frankly, I think you should just be grateful that she's attracted to you and then keep it pushing. <laughs> Work through that, my guy, because you're really pushing your luck with the fact that two women are sitting at this table um, wanting to be in a relationship with you. So let's not get too presumptuous here. So back to the confessional, King Minion speaks for both him and Vanessa and says, you know, our relationship, again, does not include women sleeping with one another. But again, they didn't ask Emily if she was actually attracted to Vanessa. And I feel like the answer to that was probably no, she's not. Because um, the next question that Emily has is whether or not this polygamous relationship would also be an open relationship so she could see other women. And King Minion says, well, we only really practice a type of polygamy where a man has other wives. And Glossier says, 
well, you know, a woman knows a woman's body's best, right? And then King Minion gets all uh, puffy and puffy and is like, you know, I can't agree with that. I'm a competitive person. And, uh, you know, there's not a woman in the world who can do what I do, who will do what I would do. I'm like, well, <laughs> that statement is absolutely correct, but not for the reasons you think it is. Okay. I, yes, you're right. There is not a woman on this world who would do anything that you do, King Minion. You are correct about that. Um, in a confessional, King Minion says that he thinks that Emily is confusing the word poly to just mean opening, being open to everyone. But, um, you know, their situation is a closed relationship for, for her, not not for you, but for her. Um, so then Minion asks Emily where her head is at and Glossier slash Emily says, I'm still interested because polygamy is something that I want to explore. And King Minion says, you keep using the word explore like you're Dora. And she starts to laugh. And then he says, I just like that you're interested in the lifestyle and what it's about, but it's not just about exploring. And I need to be with somebody who's sure about what they're pursuing. And in a confessional, he says, we're not looking for somebody who's trying to explore what they're looking for. We're looking for a forever wife. And Vanessa says, we're looking for a sister wife he's interested in, or excuse me, that is interested in what we want. Okay, so there are rules, Vanessa. This is not just a figure out from there. This is a, we want somebody to completely fold into our lifestyle, be our nanny, and that's it. That's it. Um, so maybe, and like, maybe I'm just like, I mean, obviously I am bringing up a novel idea, just putting it on the table because it seems like they've not considered that any before. Um, maybe you guys should stop dating women in their early twenties. If you don't want somebody who is not in their exploratory phase, I don't know, just try maybe somebody who's at least 25, 28, what are y'all going to do with a 22 year old girl when you have a teenager in your home already? Not to say that age is everything, but if they're these women that you keep trying to um, chain to your uh, oven, keep saying that they're in a phase where they need to figure their lives out, then that's really all you need to know. That's really all you need to know. And I would encourage you and Vanessa to, I don't know, take that purple BMW out of the garage and maybe get like some, like an easel that has a whiteboard like the Brown family did when they were trying to figure out how to communicate with each other and just write down like what it is that you guys think that you want. I mean, I know that you'll probably be sitting down and Vanessa will be standing up and writing all of this, but even still, I think that would be a good step forward for you guys. So in the car, it almost seems like King Minion understands the situation because he says, I don't have any problem with her being bisexual, but the fact that she keeps using the word explore really stuck with me. And I just feel like um, Glossier has a lot to learn and that she's still trying to figure herself out. And it's going to be difficult for her to figure herself out if she's adding two other people that she has to figure out into the equation at the same time. So then he says, also, it kind of sounds like the things that she was saying 
were similar to the things that Kayla would say and that I would be a fool to catch on to something like that and continue to move forward in a relationship that I feel will just leave them us back at square one eventually. Well, I'll be damned. I'll be damned. Thank God this date was clearly produced <laughs> and fake because it, it, if the very least we got some growth and some introspection out of King Minion and it's not going to keep me from calling him out of his name, but I will give him that was four claps for realizing stuff. Okay, moving on. Moving on to the Winders, the women, and by that I mean Tammy and Sophie are sitting around painting each other's nails while Kimberly looks on at the kitchen table kind of awkwardly and a little bit disgusted. And Kimberly's talking about how she is not really that girly, that she, uh, you know, is used to hunting and fishing. Okay. Um, she's still dressed like she got all her clothes from like a truck stop because uh, her luggage got lost at the airport. And honestly, like, you guys, I know that this is the same day that they've all just been filming the past 24 hours. And there really was no expectation for me to have changed her clothes. But, you know, sometimes you just have to put that out into the universe and hope that it comes back. It didn't. Didn't come back the way I wanted. I don't know if she had, like, a change of clothes in that backpack of hers, um, that Caillou backpack of hers. But, you know, you know. You, we can't always get what you want, you know? Um, so it's safe to say that the situation, that Colton is still not attracted, right? He comes home and I don't think Kimberly's attracted to him because I noticed this body language of Colton comes home with Thai food. The women are all standing around the kitchen, the kitchen island to be specific, and as soon as Colton, so Colton has to walk through the door and the kitchen is such that when you walk into the kitchen, the first person that he would have walked past would have been Kimberly, right? So he walks into the kitchen and puts the stuff down on the counter and Kimberly, her body language moved away from Colton as he got even within a three foot diameter of her. And then he hugged Tammy and Sophie and it was like a kid who was embarrassed to see their, their parents be physically affectionate with one another, even though they were barely getting out of a side hug with his two wives. <laughs> she just seemed very awkward and it's fine to be awkward. That's not the problem, but it doesn't, it just really feels like Tammy and Sophie are trying to push this and I don't understand why because Colton definitely isn't into her and I feel like Tammy and Sophie are maybe a step and a half in the right direction or in the opposite direction of Colton. I don't really think that they see, you know, they're looking for a spark between Colton and Kimberly and I don't think anybody's sparking. I think this is a an old lighter that you just keep flicking and flicking at, but the gas is all gone. There's no butane in this. Like, maybe you see for a moment there's like a little flash of that fire, but not really. Not really. Um, so I don't really understand what they're doing other than 
um, maybe this was a, hey, we need a storyline, so let's just keep it pushing and have this chick stay at the Econo Lodge down the street and... You know, it's only a 48-hour commitment. We can do this, right? And then we can spend the whole rest of the season doing this will-we-won't-we we with Kimberly. Even though we all know this is going to be a, a, a big L for Kimberly. So then we see we see an interview with Kimberly where she gives a little bit more insight into her journey with polygamy. And she basically says it's not really something that she had considered growing up. It's not the lifestyle of anybody she knows. She, I don't even think is Mormon. I don't think she's an LDS person. And she says that she found out polygamy through a, a self-search. Self-search. I would just love to know. What What did you put in Ask Jeeves, Kimberly, to figure that out? I would just love to know how she, <laughs> what forums. I, I want a Facebook link. I want... Yeah, just some sort of online forum. I want to know the website. If y'all know the website that these people find um, plural wives on, just just say less. Just drop a name in the DMs and the comments and just let me know, okay? Um, so then she Kimberly compares her relationship with her sisters and how close they are to something that she's looking to replicate into her romantic partnerships and says you know what's wrong you know we have so much love for each other as sisters what would be the harm in having more love in your life and again you know my mind set off a little ring-a-ding-ding and it brought me to all these memories of Mariah of Mariah Brown growing up in the sister wives household, how she would always say she was the only one out of the older bunch of kids that was really looking to be in a plural marriage before she came out. She was adamant about how this was the lifestyle for her. And then, you know, after she came out, she said, yeah, I kind of wanted to be in that because I felt like I could you know, for lack of a better word, kind of hide in, in this relationship and just kind of do my lifely duties. And, you know, maybe somebody, of the, one of the other wives will like kind of pick up the slack for me on the romantic side, but I could like make it work, you know, like this would be the heterosexual lifestyle that I could see myself in because I could kind of hide in it. Right. And I just, I, when Kimberly brought up the sister's and how she's looking for like a sisterly bond. She never did mention Colton. She never mentioned the husband aspect of it. She just mentioned how she wanted that sister-like bond. And it just really, something pinged in me. It did. So they all sit down for Thai food. It could not be more awkward. Of course, Kimberly has never had Thai food in her life. I'm wondering how the Thai scene is in Southern Utah. Is it good? I don't know. I mean, the food looked pretty de decent. I will admit. Shout out to Colton for drinking a Thai iced tea. I, <laughs> I can't imagine that really gets him amped up to about a three. I don't know if he should be drinking all that sugar before bedtime. I don't want him, you know, saying two to three full sentences, you know, re really getting hyped up off that sugar. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe watch it, Colton. Might be a little too much for you. 
like I said, the dinner's awkward. They're not really, nobody's really making much eye contact with one another. They're just really looking for answers in the bottom of their plates of food. And I, I relate. I relate. <laughs> um, so Sophie decides to break the ice and says, so Kimberly, do you like how um, quiet Colton is? <laughs> Thank you. So in a solo interview, Colton says, you know, Sophie and Tammy like to rib me and they like to joke about how I'm not much of a conversationalist because they figure I work on a farm. I'm on a tractor all day. I'm not really talking to anybody. I don't really have anyone to talk to except for myself. And he does say he is a little bit awkward, particularly when it comes to making small talk. So do we typically consider getting to know somebody in a romantic sense, small talk, or would small talk be more designated for somebody who you want out of your house <laughs> as soon as possible? Colton does not like her. What are we doing here, you guys? What are we doing? Um, so as they finish up dinner, Tammy and Sophie start talking to Kimberly about how they believe in courtship, was which is more of dating with intention of marriage, and that they have rules about, you know, uh, uh, um, what do you call it? Like uh, chaperones. Every date that they go on, it has to be a chaperone. It doesn't necessarily have to be Sophie or Tammy, but Tammy starts talking about, you know, my grandma was there, my mom was there sometimes. Just somebody, you know... A third, a third hand to hold us all accountable. Kimberly's like, I love that. I don't want to be alone with Colton. So that's fine with me. <laughs> and I think it builds trust. Okay. Um, so then Kimberly does an interview outside. And I don't know if she changed into a new shirt or if that was under the button down. But she had um, a Philippians 413. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me on her um shirt with a nice little daisy or some sort of flower on it. Very cute. And she says, my whole family does know that I'm looking to be a plural wife. They do know that. But I can't really talk to my family about it because they tend to shut me down really quick. And it's just amazing to be around the Wenders because I can have people to talk to about it and I could just be myself. There's a deep loneliness and sadness to Kimberly and insecurity that, again, it pings my Mariah meter that I just feel like, ugh, it just makes me sad. It almost, it feels less like, oh, these people understand where I'm coming from and more like, oh, I'm just looking for an escape for my family because I feel like I cannot be myself around them. You know what I mean? Like, whatever it is, there's something about her that she just feels like an outsider in the situation. And she also gave me a lot of, like, something about her family. Like, they don't, tr not that they don't trust her, but they don't respect her. And that makes me sad. It makes me sad that she feels like she has nobody in her family to talk to about what she wants out of life and how this seems to be such a relief for her. That's a bummer. It really is. Um, so Kimberly asks the group how many wives they plan on having and 
they say that they've all not really discussed that a number specifically, but a lot of it will be based on how much Colton can care for them financially. And then Sophie says, you know, Tammy and I have had discussions on how introducing another wife would also mean having less time with Colton. And Colton (laughs) says, I kind of feel like sometimes Tammy and Sophie are a lot closer to each other than I am to the either one of them. So interesting. <laughs> so then Sophie says that one of the benefits of having a third wife that she and Tammy discussed would be the fact that if one of the wives is on a date, it's not like the other one is just left at home. That they, the other two wives could have each other to, I don't know, um, paint each other's nails and, make Cajun chicken or something and angel food cake with each other, um, that it would help them feel less alone. But then there was a sort of passive aggressive thing between Colton and Tammy in which they're like, Oh, you know, it would be nice for, for the woman who's not with Colton to be, to not feel like alone. And Tammy's like, well, you know, I don't always feel that way. I do kind of enjoy my, solitude sometimes and Colton is like yeah I get that <laughs> wish I could have more of it <laughs> it's like is this working for y'all mm, okay um so then Tammy says in a confessional with Sophie so they're sitting on a couch together and Tammy says I'm not necessarily feeling the sparks fly between Kimberly and Colton but Colton really isn't a sparky guy anyway but also, at this point, we, they're really trying to, like, justify and and confirm that this is the right decision for them. Because Tammy says, well, at this point, at this stage in our relationship and of, our, of us, of Kimberly and Colton getting to know each other, it's not like they would be falling in love anyway. <sighs> okay. Okay. All right, y'all. Let's move on to Squeaky and Guyliner. So, girl, y'all. Squeaky is so excited about this date. Like, she's not about to be the one left on her own in a wood panel bedroom for the next few hours, but she is doing full wardrobe detail. This is like Lauren Conrad at the back of Teen Vogue getting ready for a fashion show. She is, we saw last week, ironing Guyliner's shirt. She's got the lint roller out to make sure there's nothing, you know, no dog hairs on it, no Rottweiler hairs on his, um, decolletage. Um, she's, you know, making sure all the rings on his fingers are adjusted. Um, just wild. Alexandra knocks on the door. Guyliner goes to get, you know, answer the door. Squeaky is skipping, skipping behind him. (laughs) She's so excited. The way she, they did a close up on her looking at him, like looking up at him. And it was like, she was looking at some sort of golden God and not a guy who has wet and wild, very black under his eyes that is smudged from the night before. I mean, love is an incredible thing, isn't it? An incredible thing. I hope that somebody looks at my dumb ass the way Squeaky looks at this idiot. I really do. I want that for me. 
So we get to the door and it, peer, it appears as though um, Guy Liner doesn't know how to pronounce Alexandra's name because he keeps calling her Alexandra and Alexandra introduces herself as Alexandra. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Gosh, I mean, is Tasha's real name actually Tasha or is it Tasha? We have no way of knowing. She'll call call me by your name, you know? Call me whatever you want. <laughs> Just happy to be here. Um, so Alexandra says she's excited, but she's mostly feeling very curious and says, you know, it is a little bit weird to know that you're going on a date with somebody's husband, but at the same time, I think it's really cool and they both greeted me at the door. They both hugged me and it just shows how open and transparent they are. And it does make me feel okay that this is happening. And I know I said this last week, but Squeaky's looking on at Guyliner and frankly, Alexandra in that hideous blue dress. It's, it's so ugly. So many things are happening. The applique flowers in the same pattern, the, the little mesh panel in the middle. It was a lot. And Alexandra is a perfectly good looking woman. And it just felt like Nicki Minaj for, for Walmart. You know, when she did that line for Walmart, that's, you know, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, so like I said, I know I said this last week, but it is like squeaky is like a, like a homeschool child who has an older brother like this is a like a some sort of teen coming of age movie 
that didn't do well in the box office, but it's about a girl who's homeschooled. She has a brother who's also homeschooled, but he's kind of like grown into himself and he managed to find the, you know, the girl from the public school down the street and she's like really cute and squeaky looks at her. Like she's seen her from, you know, the other side of like maybe Alexandra played soccer or like lacrosse or something and, and squeaky would walk through, you know, the the high school campus and just look at her and be like, wow. She's so pretty and I wish I could be like her. So when her brother, her big brother gets a date with a girl, she's like standing outside wait with them as they're about to go on their date. And she's just so excited. Like she, like as if Squeaky could never imagine a life in which she's a beautiful blonde woman. Even though, frankly, I think Squeaky's probably prettier than Alexandra. Something about Alexandra just really pinged like unwell woman to me. Something about her face. I'm like, "Mm, you look like you send like revenge, dirty underwear in the mail to your ex-boyfriends, you know, something, mm, something in the almond milk is not clean with her. Squeaky keeps gushing over Alexandra. She says she's cute. Like I would describe her as kind of doe-like, like doe a deer, a female deer. Um, and she's sweet and she's happy looking. And it just seems like something that Sidian could really, like someone Sidian could really build a connection with. Okay. <laughs> something about Alexandra, like I said, I, something about her face. Mm, I don't know. So, they start their date and Sidian's like, oh, we're just going to walk to our date venue. Is that because you don't have a car or are you trying to make this a romantic moment? Hard to say. Sometimes men wrap in, you know, their dollar slice dates into something that's romantic. Like, oh, let's just take a long walk. Let's just take a long walk. And it's because they don't want to waste the gas money. I'm on the fence about which one that was. Um, so they walk to their date and Guyliner's telling Alexandra that, you know, you feel like you seem like an adventurous person. And I wanted to make sure our first date was adventurous. And then he takes her to a small building that the window says in like puff paint, um, voted best psychic, but best is in quotes. Voted best psychic. I'm assuming that they had to do this so they wouldn't have some sort of legal liability to the actual claim of her being the best. But we'll move on. The psychic's name is Serena. She says she's going to be doing a special love reading for Alexandra and Guyliner. And it's at this point that I noticed that Alexandra had a vial of what appears to be a, a brown substance around her neck. I'm just really hoping those were not human wa- remains, but there's really no way to tell with her. There's really no way of knowing. So the psychic starts off by you know, I'm going to be talking to my spirit guides and just let them tell me what they pick up from you guys. So the first thing that these guides pick up is that, you know, I feel like one of you has like a, a fire. I'm seeing like a fiery personality. And, um, does one of you like to dance? (laughs) And Alexandra's like, yes, actually I do do those like stupid 
Birding Man um, set fire to a stick and a hoop situation. And I do do that. And I do dance with it. And I call my dragon stick my dancing partner. And it's like, of course you do. (laughs) I could have told you that. You don't need to once. I could have told you all of that. And I feel like I've said most of it over the course of these episodes. Then Serena says, you know, she is a fiery personality. Guyliner, I can tell that you have a very cool, even flow to you. And I just think that you guys are a good match. And, you know, my spirit guides are also telling me that you guys have been together in a previous life. There's so, there's no accident that the two of you guys were brought together in this life. And then she says, hold on, I'm listening to my guides. Okay, I do see a marriage on the horizon and, um, you know, if that's something that two of you feel is possible later on down the road. And also, I see some children in the future, but, you know, that's really up to you guys as to whether or not you want to have children, but that is what my spirit guides are telling me. So what I'm hearing is, um... You might get married and you might have kids if that's what you want. If that's not the most non-committal general thing that you saw, you saw um, a person with a penis and a vagina and thought, wow, maybe they'll get married. Maybe, maybe you'll have a relationship and maybe you'll have kids. Oh, thank you so much. Psychic Serena, quote unquote, best psychic in uh, Boise, Idaho. And then Serena says, I do sense maybe possibly three children. And in a confessional, Guyliner says, you know, I'm a little concerned about Alexandra saying that she's kind of a wanderlust. And I, you know, I plan on bringing that up later in our date. <laughs> so I'm going to go to a psychic See if we're a match for each other, if we, if our relationship is written in the stars, and then I'm going to take you to my front yard and ask you if you're ready to be a mother to my three children. Okay. Um, so the guyliner does say, you know, I do have three kids already and psychics like, oh yeah, that's where I'm picking that up. That's, that's, you're right. Three. Yes, because you already have three. Because I said three, and turns out that you also have three children. So yes, that's what the spirit guides are telling me. For sure. Definitely that's true. Um, so then she says to Alexandra, I think you would be a really great mom. And Alexandra says in a confessional that um, this is only our first di- date, and the psychic is talking marriage and kids, and I feel like that's getting city and excited, but I'm sort of feeling the opposite. and now I'm kind of wondering if we're on the same page (laughs) you're not girl you're not you're not even on in the same Carl Jung book much less the same page well like I said obviously because of COVID they can't like go to a bar do a restaurant or anything like that so Sidian tells us in a voiceover that he (laughs) asked Squeaky to set out a table and chairs for them for their date okay what is the i mean 
Is there a missing clip that we're going to see from like the Seeking Sister Wife shit they didn't show of Squeaky actually just like building that out of wrought iron herself and probably writing the date of their uh, first date on the underside of the table? Like, the girl, you could not have given her a better exp- uh, whatever <laughs> activity. <laughs> poor girl. Poor sweet girl. Um, Guyliner goes inside to grab some wine. All we can hear is Squeaky giggling, cooing, ooing and eyeing, just melting on the floor over the fact that he's he came in to get wine. She's like, ooh! <laughs> Actually, let out a giggle. Good God. So... While Alexandra is waiting outside, she says, I keep thinking about what the psychic said about babies and marriage, and I feel really nervous and overwhelmed because I've only met Sidian one time, and, well, Guyliner's really wonderful. I'm just not trying to build any sort of expectation, and I feel like I need to clear the air. <laughs> Things have gotten so intense so very quickly. Um, so when he comes back outside... They cheers, they take their first sip of wine, and Alexander's like, straight up, okay, what did you think about the psychic? And he is more chill about it than I expected. He's like, well, um, you know, I'm a little bit on the fence as to whether or not anything she said was true, and I also kind of feel like she put a lot of pressure on you. And Alexander's like, you're damn right about that. <laughs> she definitely put a lot of pressure on me, but I will say... Um, that I don't even know if I want kids. Like, I used to want to be a mom, but I'm still figuring out what I'm looking for and I'm figuring out what my boundaries are, which I thought was an interesting way of putting it. And, um, now she says, so with that in mind, what exactly are you guys looking for? Are you looking for somebody to move in right away? Are you looking to build a friendship first? And Guyliner says, we just try to take everything organically see what happens it really would just depend on what's going on with them so alexander's like great um cool well with that in mind i am dating several people and i really don't think i'm ready to stop dating them (laughs) but i want to i'm like i'm kind of wondering now if maybe i want multiple husbands and then she says that sounds and you could see that she's thinking about it and the realization washes, washes over her face and she's like, actually, that sounds kind of annoying. <laughs> so then Guy Leiter says, I really like you and I feel like I can have a great connection with you. So I guess I was just kind of curious as to what you're looking for or what you're not looking for. And I feel like she just said that she was dating multiple people and was not looking to stop dating them. Um, so I think that's what she's looking for. I think she just told you, but okay. Um... Alexander says, I definitely want to build deeper friendships with you and Tasha, especially with Tasha. I want to build a friendship with Tasha only. And, you know, that would be in a foundational thing for me because of my bond with my female comrades. (laughs) And that would allow me to see more of what a polygamous relationship is like. So what I'm getting is... You felt the vibe with Tasha, not into Guyliner. 
you want to be friends with Squeaky because you think she's clearly the cooler one out of the relationship. And you also just want to like pick her brain a little bit to see if polygamy is for you. Not this relationship, but polygamy in general. That's what I got from that. And so Sidian is like, great, you guys, you want to build a relationship and a foundation with both of us. And she's like, yes, a friendship with Tasha. <laughs> um, Guy Leonard does say he's encouraged by the fact that Alexandra says she wants to start building that foundation, but she's discouraged by the fact that she's still seeing other men and doesn't really seem interested in having kids. And basically it would be impossible for him to date anybody who didn't want to take on the role of a parent because he's already got three of them already. Thank you. Growth and introspection happening from everybody. Just kidding, it's not happening for Joel Osteen and Large Wife, is it? So let's get into that, shall we? Um, The family is in Colorado. Not Joel and and Danielle, but the rest of the family. So her sister-in-law, Garrick's sister, um, the one that she spoke to on the beach about how she was feeling, um, the feelings of jealousy have really come up again, and her mother. Her mom's been babysitting the two sons since they've been gone, and she's like, I'm very ready for them to come back since I've been watching these two little dirty need boys, and they need to get home immediately. (laughs) So... Joel's sister, Samantha, says, because her mom, it's Danielle's mom and Joel's sister. Danielle's sister-in-law. So I didn't catch what Danielle's mom's name, I'm sorry. But she asks Samantha, did you talk to them over the course of them being out of town? And Samantha's like, "Uh, you know, only for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I talked to Danielle and she told me about her feelings of jealousy and how she just kind of hoping for the best and how all this is like a little bit weird to her. So from what I'm getting, this is the polygamy is something that is unique to Joel and large wife. This is not the practice of their members of family on either side. What also became abundantly apparent was the fact that they are on Danielle's side and not Joel's for a very obvious reason that we'll get to in just a moment. So Samantha says in a confessional, you know, Danielle ke- tends to keep things in, but I'm hoping that she will talk to Joel at some point so that they can work on things. And then <laughs> weird moment where Samantha's asking Danielle's mom, like, what does Roberta do all day in Brazil? Like, I wonder what her day to day is like. Because this is going to be a really big change for her. Like, it's not going to be like living with her mom anymore. And it's like, well, yeah. But she probably does the same things that you guys do. (laughs) What do you think Brazil is? (laughs) Joel's mom's like, well, I think she'll probably get a job. (laughs) Um, So Joel and large wife come in. I shouldn't call her that because I actually do... Like, I probably don't want to hang out with her, but I do feel for her. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to call her Danielle because large wife is like truly damn. It's really bad. So it almost seems like from the time they got to co- left Cabo 
to the time they got to Colorado, it seems like Joel lost weight. And I don't know if that was like, he went on some sort of hunger strike because his sweet only one and only true love in this world, Roberta is now uh, ripped from his hands from large wife. But I, I just said I was going to stop calling her that. <laughs> and yet here we are. <laughs> but anyway, Joel is also wearing what appears to be the like child size medium performance fleece jacket. So maybe that's just sucking him in a little bit, but he looks a little worse for wear. I will say that. Um, also, he's upset, you know, because Roberto's gone. Um, he says getting back to Colorado is bittersweet because he feels like they're a family now and it hits, feels like he left a family member behind. And Danielle, you know, everybody says hi and they're greeting each other. And Danielle says, I'm just going to go freshen up. Like, I'm going to go to my room, go to the bathroom and freshen up a little bit. Um, she's not even finished freshening up by the time she turns her around her ass around uh samantha and her mom are sitting there on the bed like the fucking twins from uh the shining like we're ready for you danielle (laughs) like can can a bitch get 45 seconds of privacy i mean she probably was fine because this is you know the first time in the past week that anybody except for the waiter has spent any sort of full attention to her and like made eye contact and wasn't communicating in a with her in a way that like for Roberta's side was just, you know, clearly feeling sorry for this sad sack of a woman and Joel's just sick of her and just looking for ways to get rid of her, you know, she is probably happy about that. Um, so they are just, they have so many questions. (laughs) They have so many questions. Samantha starts off by asking her how the trip went and, Danielle says it's good, but it's nice to be back because I miss the boys. And then Samantha's like cut right to the bullshit and says, so I kind of just wanted to touch back on our conversation because I feel like when we hung up and you were on the beach, I just really couldn't sleep that night because I kept thinking about what you were saying and how upset you were and how I didn't want you to be sad because you seemed really sad, you know. Like, so sad I couldn't even sleep that night because of the mental anguish that you were going through went (laughs) permeated into me and my psyche all the way from Cabo. That's how bad it was. And pathetic. And pathetic. Danielle says, well, I did have some sad moments. And, you know, the first night was a little tricky because I felt like Roberta was deceiving me and I just didn't feel important and I felt like it was all about Joel. In a confessional, Samantha says that she has seen Danielle be sad about this plural lifestyle in the past and that she's seen a lot of fights between Danielle and Joel and that Danielle would get frustrated and she would cry. And so having that conversation with her while she was in Mexico left her really concerned because she feels like it would really suck if Danielle got to the point where she was depressed again. Is this... So what we're seeing is a better version of what she was before. Yikes. Yikes. So then these women tag team each other in a way that I... I died, y'all. I had to press pause and just scream after every sentence that they just 
hit her, hit her, hit her, get it, get it, get it. Like, damn, girl, can you give her a little break? So Danielle's mother-in-law, mother, excuse me, starts off by saying, do you ever feel like you're not as good as Roberta? And then Samantha goes, um, do you feel like there's a favorite out of the two of you? And then her mom says, do you feel like he treats you differently than he treats Roberta? And Danielle at this point is just like, oh, I, a bit like, she's not even getting a word in edgewise because they are just one question after the other hitting every area and quadrant of her insecurities about this new relationship with Roberta. So Danielle says, it is hard for me to see how excited Joel gets about being around Roberta. And then in a confessional, Danielle's mom says, it's really hard for me to see Danielle be upset. She shouldn't be living this way, but she wants to please her husband and she loves him very much. I hope if Danielle ever feels like this isn't the lifestyle she really wants, that she'll be able to tell Garrick and will be able to talk to us about it more openly. Boom. Damn. <laughs> Woo. So Danielle says, I will talk to Garrick and hopefully we'll be able to have, we'll be able to move forward after this. So everybody leaves. It's later. Garrick and and Danielle are unpacking by putting all of that luggage that just traveled through how many airports and internationally on their bedding that they're about to sleep in. And, you know, Joel is looking as creepy as ever in a black tank top and a hat that obviously Roberta gave him because it was clearly designed by a very girly woman. <laughs> it was a black men's no excuse me a gray men's hat like a fitted hat but it had two panels and on the left side of the panel it was blank but on the right side of the panel it had an m in like vera bradley script and a little like swirly design underneath like obviously roberta gave that to him and i could feel through the tv that daniel was like take that fucking hat off we're about to have a conversation about how you did me dirty. Please take the hat of your true wife off while we have this conversation. So we have seen this conversation attempted to be had multiple times, right? So I'm here's where I struggle. I'm really struggling with is Joel gaslighting her and pretending to be this sweet, innocent man who has no idea of what his ex-wife um, is talking about. Or if he really... He's gaslighting her. He is. He really is. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So they sit down and he's like, oh, what do you want to talk about? And Danielle's like, I don't know, probably just like my rampant insecurities and the fact that I was shedding tears all over this, you know, all-inclusive resort in Cabo just a few hours ago and also the entire week that we were there. Probably that. Probably that. Because it can't, he could not possibly think that they were going to have a different conversation after the week they just had. How, how could he possibly? Um, so Joel says, well, you know, I thought we talked it over. Don't you feel like Bert reassured you of her love for you? The answer to that would be yes. But the reason why you keep having this conversation, dummy, is because you have not reassured her of the love that you have for her. So Joel tries to explain why he fucked Roberta. While Danielle was putting on her, you know, Sonoma for Target pajamas on in the next room. And he says, you know, we had a moment of some intimacy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And when you were gone, I just all of a sudden gave her a kiss. And I felt a passion with her. So you did. What I've been saying all along is that you took advantage of a situation. And again, I must ask, what was he going to do if he hadn't finished and Danielle was knocking on knocking on the door to come in for what she thinks is going to be a sweet slumber party, not knowing that, (laughs) never mind, I was about to get real gross about, never mind, I'll spare you, I'll spare you, okay? Um, So... Danielle says, I feel like you just wanted to be alone. I feel like your heart's intention at that moment was to be alone with Roberta. And I just wish that you had told me that at the time. And Joel's response is, what do you mean? What do you mean, you dumb bitch? So Danielle says, okay, so Roberta invited me to stay with you guys at night. You said... You wouldn't be upset about it. And I feel like... uh, I feel like he was trying to be nice to you, Danielle, and you didn't take the hint. Because I'll be damned if somebody says, I wouldn't be upset about you hanging out, and me take that as a sign, as somebody actually wanted to hang out with me. Now, granted... That is allegedly her husband, and he should have communicated that more clearly. <sighs> he disgusts me. He really does. Um, so, 
I just feel bad for Danielle because this is one in a series of conversations they've had about this exact topic. And Joel is being so intentionally evasive and acting like he has no idea what she's talking about to the point where now she has to just be completely blunt about her feelings because you're not allowing a space for you guys to have open and honest communication with each other. You know, like, yeah, maybe she should have picked up on, I wouldn't be mad about you hanging out with us tonight. But also, you've had all the time in the world to be honest with her, and you're only doing it now when your back is to the wall. You're sunburned back. So Joel tries to play mind games on her and says, why would it be bad if that's how I was thinking? And Danielle says, I'm not saying that it was wrong that you felt that way. I'm saying that ultimately you wanted me to not be there. And he shakes his head like he disagrees with her. He's really trying to play with her. He's a monster. So then Danielle says, let me clarify something. Excuse me. Joel clarify. Joel says, let me clarify something. Are you saying that I should have just told you that I wanted to be intimate with Roberta and you would have left? And Danielle says, well, that's obviously how you felt. And now in hindsight, with everything that came out that happened between, you know, with you and Roberta being intimate, I kind of felt like a third wheel and like I should have just left. So Joel asks her, why? Why would you have just left? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Why do you think you... Asshole. I... And uh, the only reason why I'm on the fence about whether or not this is intentional is because of the fact that I think that Joel is just so used to doing whatever the fuck that Joel wants that he, it never really occurred to him to be honest with Danielle because to be honest with Danielle would have to on some level acknowledge the fact that she clearly does not want to do this and you do. So you're just playing like an idiot to get away. You know, it's like dumb, like a stupid, like a Fox or whatever the phrase is like he's playing dumb, but he's really playing this game. He doesn't like her. Just tell her. I want to be with Roberta. Just tell her that. We have seen but five seconds of him trying to reassure him, her, Danielle, of th- his standing and his feelings about her. And that happened last week where he said, I love you. You know, you just need to let God help you with your jealousy and like, I'll continue to love you. But the fact that he would start off this conversation with, with didn't Roberta reassure you that she loves you? Bitch, we're not talking about Roberta. I'm looking at you in your oily face. Oh, I hate him. So Joe continues to try to put things back on Danielle by saying, you know, I never said that. You're just assuming that's how I felt and I'm not denying it. But what does that have to do with me saying I won't be angry if you stay? So you're upset with her for bringing it up how you really feel, but you also just said that you don't deny that that's how you feel, but also you want to know what that has to do with why she's upset. 
honestly. Danielle starts to cry, clearly because she's so frustrated with the situation. And she says, it just felt like I was intruding. And Joel says, so would you have rather me just said, like, no, don't stay over? Or what? And Danielle says, I just feel like maybe you should have expressed how you felt a little bit better than how you did. Thank you. So Joel says, well, did we not discuss in detail before we got there the fact that I would be intimate on that trip? And Danielle says, mm-hmm. And Joel says, so what's surprising? What's surprising is that she was led to believe that you guys were sparing one night to be together as a family and you got your rocks off in a bed and let her sleep in that bed not knowing until days later when Roberta admitted it because she felt bad, not your slimy ass. You felt great about it. You were tee-hee-heeing and giggling to the production about how you did it and oh no, sister be back. Oh, what a laugh that was. What a ha-ha-ha and a hee-hee-hee that was for you. And now you want to act like you have no idea. No idea. Truthfully. I want him to get punched right in the face. So then Joel does the very dastardly deed of asking Danielle, if the roles were reversed, what would you have done? And Danielle's like, I, I don't feel like this is going anywhere. And I felt like, this is Danielle saying, I felt like I understood in that moment that you and Roberta were trying to be selfless. But in the end, like, now I feel ridiculous. And I feel like y'all played me. That I mean, clearly those are my words just being said. <laughs> but basically. So then, production interviews Joel by himself. The sick, twisted motherfucker. And the producer says, Seeing Danielle get emotional in these instances, do you ever worry that she might just be doing this for you? And that deep down, maybe she has concerns or doesn't want to live this way at all? Joel? So Joel says, no, I don't have concerns. I don't think that she might feel forced to live this way. I think without a doubt, she feels led this way and that God led this in her life to bless her. And she's not just doing it because I want it. What planet are you on? <laughs> Clear as day, my guy. She feels pressured. And the only reason why you don't see it is because you have your head buried in the sand and betwixt Roberta's breasts. So you don't have to see what you're doing to this woman, the mother of your children, that you're just psychologically damaging her because your own selfish reasons. You're too much of a little bitch to say, I don't want to be with you anymore. So you're going to make the rest of her life hell and try and bring God into it. Like this was ordained to be in her life. And then this motherfucker says, this motherfucker says, um, sorry, let me, let me go back to what, what a conversation. Let, let me go back to the, cause I'm so upset you guys. <laughs> Let me go back to them fi finalizing this conversation before the final nail in the coffin of what Joel said. So back on the bed, the dirty bed, Danielle says, I guess I'm just going to have to work on feeling like a third wheel. And Joel says, well, I don't want to do that either. 
would it be better if I just said, hey, I want to be intimate with Roberta. There's a chance that there might be an opportunity and I need time. And she says, yeah, <laughs> but they just stare at each other like she is just checked out and completely over the situation. So the episode ends with Joel alone again in an interview. And he says, we just keep going around in circles because God has not delivered Danielle from jealousy. And I'm praying and I'm trusting that God will take that away from Danielle and she'll be able to see clearly on this whole matter and that they'll be able to work through it because we've decided together to live this way and now other people are involved. So we can't just say we're not going to do it anymore. Just say, I'm in love with Roberta. If then if I don't think there's any guy on the show that we have seen to where the wife said, with the exception of Bert, no, Bernie and homegirl McGee, who really that's kind of on her for like acting all excited about something and then going back on it and chasing that poor woman out of her home. With the exception of them, I have not seen on the show any single wife say, hey, I can't do this. And the husband hasn't shut it down immediately. Now, Joel wants to bring God into it and talk about how God has not um, freed her from her jealousy. <laughs> he like He has no responsibility to his wife at all to help her feel better that this is all about her relationship with god and daddy sky daddy you better get on to on it and free danielle from her jealous ways because i'm in love with roberta and it's too late i'm gonna keep going so she better you better hop on board real quick missy because this is going to be a miserable ride for you if not because nobody else is going to help you but god oh my gosh Ugh, I hope he sees every bad tweet about him. I wish that for him. I wish it. I wish it. And with that, see you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys can give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would very much appreciate it. I love you. <laughs>